I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. A boogeyman lurks in my life right now, big bad boogeyman with big fangs and bloody eyes and bad breath. Boogeyman called an FAA flight physical. And for the first time in my life, I'm scared that this once magnificent bod might not make the cut. Problem with blood pressure. It's not an unusual problem for Louie Louie generation guys like me. And I hate to admit it, but I was starting to feel a little bit sorry for myself the other day. And proud podcast participant Bill Neftleberg came through for me. Let me back up a little bit. Every guy needs a trophy, all right? A prize for working pretty hard for a lot of years. And my trophy is a little four-seat, 160-horsepower airplane. Now, this is not a jet, okay? Some golf carts have more power than my airplane, but she's my trophy. In order to understand a trophy, let's, let's take a look at the word trophy, all right? It's a combination of an old Brooklyn word, tro, which means to hurl, as in, I throw to baseball, okay? And the word fee, which means money. You go to a lawyer, you pay his fee, right? Trophy is a trophy. A trophy, therefore, is something at which you throw your money, all right? Now, wives tend to call a guy's trophy his toy. That's another story. This story started when I was about three years old. It's true. My dad took me to Madison Square Garden in New York, where a Piper Cub was on exhibit. And he did it. Dad was a strong guy. All these years, I can remember the feeling when he lifted me up so easily. And he carefully put me in the pilot's seat. And he gave me that big, proud dad kind of smile, you know? It took me till I was in the third grade to get my eyes closed. I said, wow. And from that day on, every time a plane flew over, I had a watch. And I still do. One of the great days in my life is the first time I got to take my dad flying in my little airplane. I guess that's another story, too. There are lots of flying stories. <laughs> one very short one says, Flying is the second most wonderful thing you can do. Landing is first. We have kind of a strange sense of humor, pilots. Now, another story goes, any landing you can walk away from is a good landing. If you can use the airplane again, it's an excellent landing. And as I said, the pilot humor tends to be a little weird. There is a wonderful airplane called a V-tail Bonanza. You may have seen them at an airport if you've been to small airports. Instead of the usual tail, which looks like a T, you know, the Bonanza has this V-tail. Now, they're very fine, fast, expensive airplanes, but they need careful handling or the tail will come off. And that'll just ruin your day. And because they're expensive, a lot of them are owned by wealthy doctors. And because wealthy doctors sometimes tend to be a little bit aggressive, the V-tail bonanza is called the V-tail doctor killers. And the story around airports is that if it weren't for the V-tail bonanza, the country would be overrun with doctors. I know that's weird. Well, pilots are kind of a strange bunch. My lady wonder wench flies with me. And when she's in the airplane mode, I call her my prop chick. Wonder wench is also prop chick. 
She was a white-knuckle flyer when I first got my license, but she stuck with it, and she got used to the you know, bumps and stuff like that. And Now she runs the radios for me, and she helps with the navigation. She's not just a, not just a passenger. She's a real prop chick. And we used the plane to visit family and friends and go for $100 hamburgers. The $100 hamburger is when you fly to an airport just because it has a restaurant. See, that way you get to fly and you have lunch, and it's nice. And I told you before about our Christmas flight. You know, we pick a clear, moonlit night sometime around Christmas. And we go looking for the Christmas spirit. Not Santa Claus. The Christmas spirit. And we figure it's not just for kids. You know, the, the sight and the sound of a silent night. And so far we've found it every single time. And one beautiful summer night, we climbed into the plane and we, we took off for the moon. And we climbed up as high as the little plane would go out over the Atlantic. And, and when the plane wouldn't climb anymore, we, we just cut the power and we drifted back down the moonlight. And we watched the lights of New York off in the distance. And, and we landed very gently on a dark runway. And, and as we touched down, a, a squadron of fireflies flew up around us. A little bit like... Mickey Mouse waved his magic wand for us. And there was the night it looked like Boston was on fire. The city was silhouetted by the moon as we flew by. And last week we saw a rainbow from the top. We've seen fireworks displays like that, too. And all that's threatened right now by this this boogeyman, the flight physical, you know? Airline pilots have to take them every six months. We're lucky, guys like me. We just get away with taking them every other year. This is the first time I've ever been scared by a physical. I just used to present this former Coney Island chief lifeguard body to the chest thumper, you know, and it sign a few papers, and that was it. But those of us who are Louis Louis generation guys have to pay a price for our attractive silver hair, you know, and our great lover ways that make us the choice of supermodels everywhere. And I guess my price is maybe too much blood pressure. FAA doesn't want pilots exploding in flight. And just when I was feeling sorry for myself, I got this email from proud podcast participant Bill Neftelberg. And it made me realize how lucky I've been for a very long time. Bill got cerebral palsy when he was a kid. And part of the note that he sent me went like this. He said, When I was seven years old, I was in a hospital in upstate New York for one of the many operations I needed as a child. But my family was in Queens. And this one day, my mom and dad weren't able to come and visit on visiting day. And they had seven other kids, so they had other things to do, too. And when visiting hours came, I felt so alone. But a woman who was the mother of a little boy next to me asked why I was crying. So I told her. And she walked out of the room and came back a few minutes later with a sandwich and a matchbox car, just like she bought her own son. And she moved my bed over next to her son's, and she said, Today, you're my little boy, too. I don't think I ever knew her name. So as an adult, I've had no way to thank her. That's Bill's story. And I was just thinking how this Internet thing has such an amazing ability to connect with an incredible number of people. And I hope... Maybe that other kid's mom might hear this. And though she is a treasured memory of a former scared little seven-year-old kid who is now all grown up and a very grateful person for what she did. 
Bill's story kind of puts getting through all of these years with this former chief lifeguard's body that never gave me a hard time before into a bit of a perspective. I really can't complain, can I? But I would appreciate it if you would keep your fingers crossed for me, or pray, or do whatever you do, because I really love my little trophy airplane. Every time I climb in, I, I get this quick flashback to when a pair of strong arms lifted that little three-year-old kid up into another cockpit. You should have seen Dad smile all those years ago. He's gone now, but I will always remember that smile. Dick's details. Some fascinating but absolutely unimportant facts for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important things that are keeping you awake out the other. And you can nod off comfortably to sleep. Thomas Edison attended school for less than three months out of his entire life. Which I I think that proves it doesn't necessarily take a lot of schooling for a guy to light up the world. The energy produced by chewing bubblegum every day would light a city the size of Hollywood. Can you imagine the mountain of sticky goo that must be produced for that to happen? The gum, I mean, you know. Well, come to think of it, Hollywood produces some pretty gooey stuff, too. Americans spend an average of 76 hours a week in bed, but we're only asleep for 45 of those hours. Which means that we are either watching a lot of late-night TV or we are a bunch of sexy devils. It is the latter, I hope. Dicks to tails. They take your mind off your mind. I know I've probably been telling you a little bit more about flying than you really wanted to know. But haven't you ever wondered about what a pilot is thinking about when you hear a jet streaking along way up in the sky, you know? Or when you hear a small plane engine in the middle of the night? There's a story about that in the personal audio CD called Love Comes When You Least Expect It. It's called Night Flight. There's nothing out there but the midnight, as far as you can see. The altimeter hands point to 10,000 feet, but it might as well be 10,000 miles. An occasional star pops through the broken layer of clouds above, but the layer below is solid. There's hardly any outside perspective at all except the single engine growl of my airplane. You don't know if you should feel big or small, old and beautiful or young and ugly. Only the instruments can tell if you're right side up, and they sometimes lie. But the only feeling here is that I am absolutely alone. Under the clouds, there are touch-me looks flicking across rooms, private words purring in velvet places, supple leather, black lace, and soft lips coming undone for careful fingertips and on careful words. Telephones are cradled on naked shoulders, and the night is flexing with lovers moving together in the dark. 
babies are crying. People are taking each other's lives, earning or losing each other's trust, and trying to deal with being alone. We always meant to make love here, two miles above the city. We were going to take a summer and fly all the way across the country, stopping to eat at small-town diners and sleeping under the wing. We were going to always be in love. But someone taught us both that there are rules that we must follow, as if life were some kind of baseball game. But you only get one strike this season. And the first time you touch a member of the other team with your naked body, for any reason, you're gone. Is that how the rule reads, my love? Was I out as soon as I touched her? Or was it as soon as I took pleasure in the seduction? Would I have been safe if I hadn't enjoyed it? Or if at least one of us had been wearing a more proper uniform. Could you have looked the other way if her lips had been a little cooler? Exactly what was it that I did with her that got me ejected from the game? Every game has its limits. Nine innings, three outs but only one mortal sin, and you're gone. I have loved you all of the days of my life, and all but one of the nights. You don't want to send me away, but that's the way your rule book reads. And so I must leave you as I have loved you. And I have loved you, not perfectly, but well. And so I will leave you all the rest of the days of my life. And all but one of the nights. It may be tomorrow. It may be next year. It may be a decade or two. But one night, when touch-me looks are flickering across rooms, private words are purring in velvet places. Supple leather, black lace, and soft lips are coming undone for careful fingertips. One night when babies are crying, people are taking each other's lives, and I am still trying to deal with being without you. Then listen, my love, for a single engine airplane growling two miles up in the clouds, and you and I will love just one more night. That's Night Flight, from the personal audio CD called Love Comes When You Least Expect It. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast. Or if you like a fresh copy, or maybe you'd like to know the rest of the story, you can go back to DickSummer.com and download it from CD Baby. Well, what have we learned? Now you know a whole new meaning for the word 
trophy where it comes from. I trod a ball, right? And fee. Money. Something at which you throw your money. If you're a mom who did a kindness for a kid in a hospital a lot of years ago, you might be kind of glad to know that your kindness is very well remembered by a proud podcast participant by the name of Bill. And I hope you'll remember to keep your fingers crossed for a guy who has to face down a boogeyman so he can keep the right to climb into his little airplane and take off with a woman he loves to see wonderful things and to visit his dad in the sky. Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths, come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. <laughs>